Welcome, Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here. Uh, not able to make contact with Pastor Martins today, so I guess we're going to have to proceed without him. And the subject that we were going to talk about was actually two, but related ideas, namely, love thine enemy and turn the other cheek. And these are concepts which, of course, the Judeo-Christian world has turned (laughs) on its head by not understanding the covenant message. There is no way you can properly interpret these expressions. And so we have in Scripture idiomatic expressions that mean one thing to the world of Israel and mean quite something else to the outside world that is not of Israel, and that includes the Jews, because there's no way you can see the Jews loving their enemies. (laughs) The Jews are motivated by nothing but revenge. And even among themselves, there's a lot of revenge going on. Okay? So... (laughs) <laughs> Bavarian man says it's good he has no right to vote in America. But that doesn't stop the Mexicans and the Jews, who are not really citizens either, not according to our immigration laws, right? So uh, we're living in an upside-down world, no doubt about that. So I'm going to start with the idea of turning the other cheek. And we're going to put this in the chat room for everybody to look at. And we'll proceed, whoops, wait a minute, it didn't take, hold on, let me try again, there we go, okay, and of course, the Judeo-Christians like to confuse things, and the Jews like to destroy and confuse, they're not content to be confusing, they like to destroy as well, but let's go into it here. Turning the other cheek, what does that really mean? Okay, and this is a pretty decent article on the subject. And this is not even a religious uh, article. It's just uh, talking about the expression we use, which, of course, is based on the Bible, all right? To turn the other cheek, meaning of this idiomatic phrase. English has many idiomatic expressions that native speakers use without thinking about it. Yeah, you wonder how this this expression would fly in Africa between African tribes. You think they would turn the other cheek? <laughs> uh, you know, no, they kill each other. Although overuse of any idiom is frustrating, misusing these phrases can be really cringy. Yeah, because so many people misunderstand it. And even those who understand it don't practice it. So it's important to have a thorough understanding of them. One phrase with a long history and a complicated set of meanings is turn the other cheek. What does turn the other cheek mean? The expression turn the other cheek has its origins in a collection of sayings attributed to Jesus Christ called the Sermon on the Mount. I think we in identity could write an entire book or volumes on just the Sermon on the Mount and how it has been confused and misunderstood and mistranslated uh, 
because a lot of mistranslations are, are contained in both the Old and New Testament, some of them deliberate, some of them just made out of ignorance. That's because neither the Jews nor the Judeo-Christians like to use concordances. So without a concordance, you can't really tell if something has been mistranslated or not. But let's continue. So the Sermon on the Mount. Again, we have to, as we said on the show earlier on Bloodlines, many of Yahshua Messiah's pronouncements and speeches were made to mixed audiences. There were people in the audience who were Israelites, and there were people in the audience who were non-Israelites, especially the Edomite Jews, the Canaanites and Edomites that were living in Judea in those days. And that's why he spoke in parables that those Edomites and Canaanites would not understand. And Nibelhor says, turn the other cheek is for Israelite brothers exclusively. That is correct. Although, if you're, let's say you're slapped in the face by a black lady. <laughs> and you don't know why. You just She just slapped you because you're white. If it doesn't go beyond that, if it doesn't go that and she pulls out a knife or a can of mace or something like that, you better be ready to defend yourself. But that's also true with another white person who you might know who suspects you of cheating on him by having sex with his wife. He could come at you with a rage. What do you do then? Even if he slaps you in the face, literally, You turn the other cheek. That's literally what you do. Why? Because somebody has to put an end to the violence. And the reality is very few outside of our race have the ability to do that. And many, even within our race, do not have the ability to do that. Okay, yeah, Mr. Kim Smith, the Baal worshippers better better turn or turn and run because we'll kick him in the other butt cheek, right? So the whole, and of course, these sayings, both turn the other cheek and love thine enemy, apply to our people that we we need to be kind and considerate, even beyond the call, even beyond the pale. What did Yasha say? If, uh, how often do we have to forgive our enemies? He's not talking about outsiders. He's not talking about non-covenant people. Seventy times seven was his answer. <laughs> That's a lot of forgiveness. That's a lot of forgiveness. As long as they're not kicking you in the head or stabbing you in the chest, or stuff like that, at, at which point you must defend yourself. The point is to not escalate the violence. That's the whole point, not escalating the violence, if you possibly can. Now, you can't always do that. So sometimes that's why you should pack a rod. <laughs> right? That We have a right to pack a rod. And if it gets out of hand, you know, just say, hey, wait a minute now. Are you prepared to die over over this? Are you prepared to fight about this? If you are prepared to fight about this, why? What is it that has made you so angry that you would attack me? You have to keep your cool. 
you can't. As I like to say, you proceed with a, a cool head and a warm heart. That should be your modus operandi. That should be your standard condition. A cool head and a warm heart. Don't let, don't let somebody else knock you off your cool. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so this is an expression. Now, and I wonder if you even find this expression, turn the other cheek, in non-white cultures. I wonder if this expression exists in Chinese or Japanese or maybe in Japanese because the Japanese are ultra polite. But I don't think they would apply their politeness uh, to the extreme of getting slapped in the face by an American, <laughs> right? I think you would seriously insult such a Japanese. So I really don't think that this expression, turn the other cheek, is common in other cultures except polite white society. All right, maybe I'm wrong. Some, somebody in the chat room maybe can instruct me that this is wrong, but I don't think so. I think this is an exclusively white idea. Okay. So, one of these things contains the expression, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to him also. Almost all people using this expression today mean that if someone hits or otherwise threatens you with violence, you should turn the other cheek and walk away. Well, you don't have to walk away. You just stand there and say, wait a minute, why did you do that? If that person can't explain why he did that to you, I mean, you may turn your back on that person and he'll club you from behind. So, no, you stand up for your rights, but you don't retaliate. That's really what, what it means. It, uh, it means do not retaliate, especially among your own kind. Now, the rules outside of our race, when there's an interracial conflict, we're, we're not obliged to be peaceable, but it's still good practice. There's no reason that any situation like that should escalate. If the person has no conscience, then, well, you do what you have to do. But you should never allow the situation to escalate. You should never be the one that allows the situation to escalate. So let's continue. Almost all people using the expression today mean that if someone hits or otherwise threatens you with violence, you should turn the other cheek and walk away. A more interesting interpretation is that Jesus was preaching subversive, nonviolent responses. <laughs> I like that. To overzealous law enforcement, well, man, we need to do that. But will law enforcement turn its cheek when it realizes it has done wrong? I don't think so, folks. But this is a whole other ballgame here when you're dealing with law enforcement. But this meeting is not in common use, the author says. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've met anybody who uses the expression in that way. So, what is the true meaning of turn the other cheek? In modern usage, the expression turn the other cheek almost always means to avoid responding with, to violence with violence. Yeah, don't allow escalation. You may be insulted. You may even feel a little bit of pain, like a literal slap in the face. But you have to be able to withstand such insults and the occasional slap and not allow the situation to escalate until you understand why has this person slapped me and also 
who is this person who slapped me? Is he or she my brother or sister of the race of Israel? Or is this person an outsider who really intends to do me harm? The fact of the matter is, folks, the Israelites of the Old Testament didn't take any guff from the the non-Israelite tribes of the world. Yahweh instructed the Israelites to go and destroy those Canaanites. So we obey God, Yahweh our God, and not our instincts. In fact, fact, the fact of the matter is because those Israelites showed mercy upon too many Canaanites, including their little children. Our people don't like to kill little children, but Yahweh told us we should when it came to the Canaanites. Why? Because they're the children of the devil. So when Yahweh gives us instructions, we're supposed to follow through, even if we don't like it. That's part of the reason why we're in such big trouble today. This is why the beast system has come about, because we were merciful to the wrong people. But that's war. And that's not the context that these expressions are in. These these expressions are within the context of our own people, our brothers and sisters and neighbors. And of course, non-whites are not supposed to live among us. That's the covenant message. So if we have an interracial conflict, that's outside the pale. They should not even be in our territory, in our country, to do violence to us. But, of course, that's partially our fault, too, because our people have been sucked into universalism. Yeah, right. Swamp Fox says, preemptive attack. Do unto others before they do unto you. Yeah, that's how the Jews operate. That's how the Jews operate. And we're not to be that way, certainly not within our own race and our own family, right? And, uh, in fact, it reminds me of a situation. I paid a visit to Hungary when I was a young man where my extended family, much of my extended family still lives. And it's the Germanic community called the Danube Swabians, the Donauschwaben, who all spoke German. They didn't speak Hungarian. They were simply Germans living in Hungarian territory. And there was an episode in a town called Cholnok, C-S-O-L-N-O-K, Cholnok, where I have plenty of relatives. And there was a member of the community there, a man who was a wife beater. And this wife beater kept on abusing his wife and family until the, the community got together and said, well, what do we do about this? Because we don't want to take this to the Communist Party, <laughs> right? We don't want to take this to the Communist Party. We've got to do something here. So this, and he was a drunkard. He was a flat-out drunkard. So the men organized a meeting with this guy and warned him and said, okay, if you keep on beating your wife, we're just going to take it to another level and we're going to punish you publicly if you keep doing this. I don't know how many times they let him do it after that warning, but the day came when they had to make good on the warning. And so they dragged this guy into the public square, and every man of the town took a turn punching this guy. And when he fell to the ground, they kicked him. They didn't didn't try to injure him 
you know, body part wise, you know, like his eyes or his teeth or his nose. You know, they didn't try to do serious injuries, but they just taught this guy a lesson. You don't you don't beat your wife without consequences. And so I watched this beating that they inflicted on this guy, and I tell you what, he didn't beat his wife again, <laughs> right? All right, they they tried to turn the other cheek. He refused to acknowledge them, and so they beat the crap out of him. That's what happened. That's the way it should be. Because if somebody's, a, you know, what's the penalty for hurting someone? It is, it is an eye for an eye. But to, punishment has to be meted out to wrongdoers. If not, then the evil will continue. The law has not been abolished. It's been amended, but only for Israelites. Because our our past sins were forgiven at Calvary. That does not mean we can go keep on sinning for the rest of our lives or until the second coming. No, we will be judged according to our deeds, our good deeds, and our attitudes as well. So you have to have some common sense here and behave accordingly. So since there's no other form of justice available to the townspeople in this town called Cholnuk, in order to put an end to this wife-beating situation, they had to teach the husband a lesson. It was a hard lesson. They didn't do him any serious harm, and he stopped beating his wife. I don't know if he stopped drinking. <laughs> that, that may be another story. Okay, but that was the situation. So you got to use common sense. And we don't, we don't give this type of, uh, how should I put it, condescension. That's really what it is. You condescend to not exact vengeance in kind. You don't lower yourself to that level. You stay firm in the faith, stay firm in the law, and expect your brother or sister to do likewise. Okay, that's really what's going on here. But let's uh, you know, let's continue with this article, which is actually pretty good. Of course, it can also be used to refer to non-physical violence, like arguing or aggressive posturing. Okay, so let's say a black person gets into the face of an Israelite. Well, the first thing you should do is maintain your composure and your nose to nose. And in fact, this happened to me too. <laughs> there was a black guy who was like a, a foot taller than me and 200 pounds heavier. And he was calling me names under his breath. And so I was standing in the corner of a doorway. I heard what he was saying. And so I walked up to him and said, are you talking to me? And he immediately panicked. <laughs> he just plain panicked. He didn't know what to do. His eyes started, you know, looking left and right, and he started shaking. And you stand your ground. Okay? So don't take any guff from somebody not of your race. But you shouldn't take any guff from somebody of your race either. I didn't threaten him with violence. I just conveyed to him I was not afraid of him. And, yeah, let's see this fat tub of lard <laughs> fight me, right? <laughs> right? I knew I was quicker than him. So I didn't even worry about it. But this is the, you have to have this composure at all times, okay? 
I didn't threaten him. I wasn't even angry with him. I just, you know, are you talking to me? And that so disarmed him, he didn't know what to do. But let's continue. As seen from the description above, this meaning of the expression comes directly from the teachings Jesus gave to his disciples in his sermon. Don't react in kind if you can avoid it. But even here, it only applies to the Israelite nation because those other races don't even deserve to live among us. So that changes the ballgame altogether. That changes the ballgame. So, for example, if a white woman were accosted by this black guy who is, uh, you know, six foot six and uh, 300 pounds, I wouldn't blame her for being afraid. You never, you never know what's going to happen. It's better for women not to even get involved in something like that. But let's continue. Unless you're, unless you're okay with getting, getting pounded on, right? You're taking your chances. Since it's held up as the opposite of taking an eye for an eye in revenge, it stands to reason that turn the other cheek means don't get revenge or not personal. Don't get personal. Not yet, anyway, because you have to find out whether this person has something serious against you or not. A lot of people fly off the handle and react emotionally just to a rumor. Pastor Eli stole money from so-and-so. Okay, so somebody says that to me. Who'd you hear that from? Well, I heard from so-and-so. Okay, so you call so-and-so and ask him, did I steal money from you? And he says, no. Uh, then you relay the message to the person who made the accusation against you and say, okay, well, the person you say accused me said to me he has not accused me. What do you say to that? If that doesn't de-escalate the situation, then that person is, in fact, this happened at a conference last year in, in Houston, Missouri, where one of the men was accused of saying bad things about someone else at the meeting. And so the person who was accused went to the elders and said, now, wait a minute, I didn't do any such thing. I have witnesses. So they checked it out and talked to the witnesses, and sure enough, it was a false accusation. So that person had the wherewithal, the calmness, the steadfastness to not, you know, he, he might have gotten angry when he first heard about the rumor, but he handled it the right way. And you have to have that kind of self-control, for lack of a better word, self-control and Belief in the faith, namely that Yahweh will protect you if you are being accosted by by others. Okay, always stand up for the law, and it's basically the same thing as going to trial. You have the right to tell your side of the story, and you can, and you should give the other person the right to tell their side of the story. That's what it means. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, that's hard, <laughs> isn't it? Okay. Yeah, Mr. Kim says, when walking away from a person of another race, it's like walking away from a barking dog 
when you walk away, the dog barks louder and attacks. Yeah, that's happened to me too. You don't turn your back on a dog. You don't turn your back on a dog, ever. You grab a broomstick, <laughs> right? But that's dogs. But other races are no better than dogs in situations like this because they hate our race. They really do. They hate our race. Swamp Fox has a quote from John Wayne, quote, I won't be wronged. I won't be insulted. I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people, except in the movies, of course. And I require the same from them, unquote. That's by John Wayne. Was he a Christian? He's another one of those who I heard became a Christian on his deathbed. <laughs> but that is a Christian principle. Thank you, Swamp Fox, and thank you, John Wayne, for saying that. Okay, but few outside of our race, and many within our race, do not have the composure to act in such a manner, especially if they're drunk. So, so forget about it. If the person's drunk, then the game changes, or under the uh, influence of some other drug besides alcohol, that changes the rules altogether. Okay, at that point, you've got to go into self-defense mode. You know, I mean, the first thing that you should do is walk away from a situation like that because you know your adversary is just out of it mentally and therefore morally as well. So that's the quickest way to de-escalate that. And if that person is reasonable, you come back when that person is lucid, then, then you talk about it. Okay, and is, is this person capable of understanding the situation and acting appropriately? Sometimes that, that person is not capable. And that person can be a white person. So let's continue. How to use turn the other cheek in a sentence. Oh man, this is going deep, right? <laughs> How to use it in a sentence. The meaning of turn the other cheek should now be clear. How do you use it in everyday speech? The original text of the Sermon on the Mount gives us a good idea. Even though it's a bit archaic, Jesus says if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to him as well. This can be taken literally. It's certainly meant metaphorically. But if you have the gumption to be slapped on both cheeks literally, and you don't think you're going to be harmed, or if you see that after turning the other cheek, the guy is making a fist, <laughs> that's another story too, okay? Primarily, this has to do with insults, but also you should even have the gumption to withstand a, you know, something like a, a literal slap in the face. But a punch? I don't know about punch because you can get seriously injured by a punch. And is that person going to pay your medical expenses? Like whiplash? Things like that? No, you better be prepared to defend yourself. You only give so much benefit of the doubt, especially if the person is not of your race. Well, then you don't give any benefit of the doubt. You just try to de-escalate the situation for personal safety reasons because it could turn into a brawl. And if you're outnumbered, it's best to avoid the situation. In practice, this is shortened to just turn the other cheek. Otherwise, the usage is the same. 
Simply place this expression after a bit of violence somebody is proposing. You can also put it anywhere else as a verb phrase would fit in a sentence such as after I want you to turn the other cheek. Finally, the expression can be used as a complete sentence on its own as a general reminder to somebody not to use violence, no matter how tempting it might be. <laughs> that, that applies to me as well, right? If somebody literally slaps me on the cheek, you know, my first thought would be, well, to clench my fist in preparation for maybe a, a, a worse blow, Right? But if I know that person personally, which is primarily the context of both this expression and love thine enemy, if you know that person personally, you would expect that person to be reasonable and you know, respond to, uh, wait a minute, uh, what's going on here? What's the reason? Why did you slap me? Why did you insult me? Why did you accuse me? You have to be prepared to take that stance in all of these situations, especially when dealing with members of your own race, especially when dealing with Israelites, especially dealing with your friends and neighbors, etc. Okay? So here's some examples of how the expression is used in English. When life gives you lemons, turn the other cheek and make lemonade. This example adds another expression into the mix. It could mean not to get mad when something bad happens, but to turn away from anger and find a good side of things. Well, I mean, you just, uh, if, if there is a good side to it, <laughs> you try to find out. Quote, that guy just cut me off in traffic, unquote. I know it's hard, but it's safer to just turn the other cheek. Well, no, road rage is what most people get into, right? Road rage. That guy cut me off. Then road rage happens. And this is by white people. Of course, they're not Christians, and even Christians. In fact, Christians may be too uh, impotent, for lack of a better word, in a situation like this. You have to stand up for your rights, always. Always be prepared to stand up for your rights, and tell that person to know in certain terms, I will stand up for my rights, but I also won't let this situation escalate. Let's continue. Here, someone gives a driver good advice to avert an incident of road rage. Quote, Mom, lots of kids at my school get into fights. Unquote. If they ever try to mess with you, promise me you'll turn the other cheek. Unquote. Well, I mean, children, <laughs> you, you expect like a bully in school to stop pounding on you if, he, if he's decided to start pounding on you? No, this is where adults need to get involved and prevent the bully from bullying. So this is really a bad example. Finally, an example of a mother giving her child a warning not to get into fights. All these examples show people using turn the other cheek to mean not engaging in violence or revenge. No, that's correct. The only difference here with Christian identity, the covenant people, and the covenant message is that these other races, these other people shouldn't even be in our lands. Yahweh has told us very specifically that we are supposed to segregate ourselves from the other races, period. But we haven't been following that advice. We haven't been following the law. 
And because we haven't been following the law, Yahweh is punishing us himself. He does, as Peter said, judgment begins in the house of Israel. And because we have allowed these other races against our God's laws, he is allowing white people, maybe pamby so-called Christians, to be attacked by these other races. Yahweh has always used other nations to punish us when we fail to obey his laws. And the number one law that we must obey is racial segregation. If we do not obey this law, then we will get punished by whatever race we let into our midst. That's the reality, folks. That's Yahweh's just punishment, retribution to us as a nation for failing to observe his racial segregation laws. Okay? So, what's the alternative meaning here? One other interesting interpretation of turn the other cheek is think is that of Walter Wink, a biblical scholar and progressive activist. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. There's no such thing as progressive Christianity. Wink argues that in Jesus' times, this phrase actually invited his disciples to engage in nonviolent resistance to authority. Well, that's good. That's actually very good. Because being struck in the left cheek would have required someone to use the left hand. No, 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 no. Now, if you get struck on the left cheek, that person is using his right hand. (laughs) Okay? Duh! (laughs) Unless he gave you the back of his hand from the left. Uh, This guy didn't think this sentence out. But let's let's continue. Oh, okay. There's another meaning. There's another. He's he's uh, trying to include another idiom or a uh, practice of the day. Because being struck on the left cheek. No, if you were struck on the right cheek, the person facing you would have to use his left hand. And the left hand was considered unclean. It would have required the attacker to themselves commit a kind of crime. Well, this would have been understood among the Israelites, but certainly not among outsiders. So if an outsider comes into your midst and slaps you, it doesn't matter which cheek or which hand he uses, that's a thorough act of aggression which does not contemplate the exclusiveness of the covenant message. That's an assault. That is automatically an assault. And you you still are required to keep your composure until you you realize that this person means to do you harm and will not not relent. Jesus said, when the two apostles asked him, should we fight against the enemy? And he said, Turn, turn in your cloaks and buy a sword. That's, but that's regarding outside enemies of Israel. There's no pacifism in Scripture. What we're talking about is getting ourselves under control with and among our brethren. That's always the proper context of these idioms. Okay? Yes, 
An armed society is a polite society. There you go. That's why our society is so impolite, because they're trying to disarm us. Okay? So, likewise, Jesus' other examples sound like compassion to us, but in the ancient Roman province of Galilee, where Jesus preached, they too would have resulted in the attacker committing a crime. But even if the attacker wants to commit a crime, you know, a crime of passion, let's say, you can't allow that person to beat you to a pulp. You have to defend yourself. So this is only the very first response that you should have. The very first is not to respond with violence, even if it's somewhat violent like a slap in the face. Seeing someone naked brought shame to the viewer while forcing someone to walk more than a mile was a crime under Roman law. Although we, so the Romans had modesty? <laughs> Although Wink's argument is fascinating and, uh, and sounds believable, there's no modesty in our civilization today, that's for sure, because we're living under a Jewish-controlled society, and there's no modesty among Jews. Although Wink's argument is fascinating and sounds believable, this meaning of turning the other cheek isn't really used today, and I really wonder if it was used then. The origin of turn the other cheek. Many idioms have no clear origin. This one, however, comes from the Sermon on the Mount, a collection of sayings attributed to Jesus Christ that contains a number of expressions still used today. Yeah, the Bible is full of expressions that are still used by true Israelites today, that is the Caucasian people. In this sermon located in chapter 5 of Matthew, if you're the sort of person who has a Bible on hand, (laughs) Jesus is sharing his teachings with his disciples, teaching them how to follow him in the proper worship of God and just generally behave like good people. Yes. And that message shouldn't be lost on other races either because that's the way you stay out of trouble. We don't see that happening very often in the black community. If you especially in public, if you disrespect a black man in public, you will arouse rage, unbelievable rage. So you better be careful about doing that in mixed, racially mixed company. Better be careful. The best thing to do is stay out of racially mixed company. One of the expressions Jesus mentions is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth used to justify revenge against someone who has harmed you. Well, of course, that is even still in the context of the Mosaic Law. There is no no mention in Scripture that murder should not be punished by anything other than the death penalty. Okay? It's just that today... We don't have the Levitical priesthood. We don't have a Levitical court. We don't have uh, Moses or Solomon or David to adjudicate disagreements, right? But we will be called to account for every single action, for every single thought, Yahshua tells us, for every single bad thought we have for a fellow Israelite, We will have to account for that at the Judgment Day. 
So our judgment is being postponed because we're being tested whether or not we can act with brotherly love towards one another. That's the test for true Israel. And so that's where these expressions have the really ugly meaning among the brethren. But you don't take the law into your own hands, especially among the brethren, okay? When it's an interracial thing, that's a completely different story because the law was not given to them. If a black person attacks you and you can see the rage and anger in that person's face, well, if you have a, a way of getting out of it in order to avoid escalating it, well, you should do that. But if you can't, clench your fists, start pounding back because that's all that he's going to do. You can't expect it to turn the other cheek. So we're, we're talking here about personal revenge. You don't want to exact personal revenge, especially for a minor incident like being slapped in the face. Jesus, in contrast, says not to oppose an evil one, but that if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek to him as well. Okay, so it means simply... By, and by doing that, you're showing your adversary that you are in control of yourself. And if that adversary is a Christian Israelite, then that Christian Israelite ought to feel sh- ashamed of himself or herself for having acted rashly or out of vengeance rather than out of justice, a sense of justice and righteousness, okay? Okay. But you cannot expect such a reaction from a non-Israelite or a non-Adamite. You really can't expect that. That's why we we are armed (laughs) to protect ourselves. The state of Illinois used to have a law that Negroes were not allowed to carry arms. Only white people were allowed to carry arms. Now we have a situation where Negroes in the ghetto have all kinds of guns and white people are in a situation where their guns are constantly being taken away from us. Continuing, he provides more examples too, including giving your coat to someone who has sued for your shirt and walking two miles with someone who forces you to walk one mile. But that can only apply to other Israelites. Only another Israelite will accept that you are humbling yourself and expect Yahweh to pay you back even though you have been unfairly stolen from, robbed, or whatever. Okay? A non-Israelite would not even understand. Certainly, non-whites would view you as being weak, a weakling. And they will do nothing but take advantage of you because they do not have his law written in their hearts like we do. So again, the covenant message is paramount in understanding these verses. These verses really only apply to Israelites living among, among, between and among themselves in an Israelite community, and they really have to be aware of their Israelite identity for all of these laws to be fully applicable. So let's say you live in a town where it's full of Judeo-Christians, and you're the only Israelite, aware Israelite in that town. 
And so they watched Black Lives Matter coming into the town, ransacking businesses and setting things on fire and sucker-punching people and even killing people. They don't belong in your community. You have every right to defend yourself against them. And if they go on your property, draw, draw your weapon and shoot them. They have no right to be on your property. And this happened in Los Angeles. And, of course, other races sense this right to self-defense automatically because what happened, a lot of, I think it was the Watts neighborhood of Los Angeles where the blacks started rioting and they started attacking businesses owned by Koreans and other races. Well, they took their guns out and started shooting black people. (laughs) You can bet that the, the ransacking stopped in a heartbeat. We have a right to defend our property, period. But if someone does not respect your the right your right to your property, that's a whole different ball game, especially if they're trying to kill you. Okay? That's why we have the right to defend ourselves. And Yahshua also said as Luke seventeen twenty six, bring hither those who would not worship me and slay them before me. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Jesus is not a pacifist. We should not be pacifists either, except among ourselves when the situation is appropriate. Well, let's continue here. Just in case the message is not clear, this section ends by spelling out the lesson. Give to whoever asks you and lend to whoever wants you to borrow from you, don't turn them away. Okay, so you're supposed to be kind and benevolent to your brethren. Do you really expect if you lend money to a black person that he's going to pay you back? He thinks he owns you anyway. (laughs) He He thinks that everything you are, you stole from him. Therefore, he has the right to get it back. That's what's going through his mind. You may have to use violence to get your money back. So don't expect anything from the other races. Just do it, and certainly not from a Jew. Out of all the examples in the sermon, it's turn the other cheek that has stuck around in the popular imagination in English. That's very interesting because at the very beginning, I speculate, is this expression extant in other languages or certainly in the languages of non-Israelites? He says, usage of the expression dates at least back as far as 1800, according to Google's Ngram viewer, although it drastically increased starting in the mid-1980s. That's interesting. In the mid-1980s. Maybe it was in those days when we were asked to uh, tolerate the other races that uh, the Judeo-Christians started using it with regard to the other races, expecting them to return the favor. How has that worked out? <laughs> How has that worked out, folks? So, it ends there. It doesn't really say anything interesting about that. The author is Marcel Iselli. 
I don't know if that person is an Arab. No, it looks like that's a photograph of the person. Oh, yeah, he's Swiss. He's a white Swiss. Marcel Iseli. And he says, hey, fellow Linguaholics, it's me, Marcel. I am the proud owner of Linguaholic.com. Languages have always been my passion, and I have studied linguistics, computational linguistics, and sinology at the University of Zurich. It is my utmost pleasure to share with all of you guys what I know about languages and linguistics in general. And if he knows a lot about linguistics, especially in the Anglo-Saxon languages, he will find that Hebrew is the true source of all these languages. Not Phoenician, not Sanskrit. Phoenician and Sanskrit are also offshoots of Hebrew. So so we've done with that. So let's go to Love Thine Enemy, and this is a much more complicated subject. So we'll pick this up for next week, but we'll get it started. And here's an interesting one. Love thine enemies. And of course, the same thing applies. We're not asked to love enemies from, of other races. And we're certainly not asked to love enemies who are invading armies. Do you think a guy you know, who's aimed his rifle at you is, is going to, uh, oh, uh, I'm prepared to turn the other cheek. <laughs> All right. Are you prepared to turn the other cheek if I shoot you? Uh, I don't think that's the proper circumstances for this. No, this only applies to our own brethren. Our own brethren. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Smith, water down Christianity, turn your other cheek to the flood of lies to the point you look like a fish flopping around. That's what we are, fish out of water getting ready to die. No, our proper environment, milieu, is society among Christian brethren, Israelite brethren, and no other such society. This is the world to which John 3.16 applies. Yahweh so loved the world of Israel, because every other verse in Scripture is constant conflict with the other races and even nations among ourselves. When they come at you with force of arms, you better get out of the way or be prepared to fight. Okay? This only applies to a generally peaceful environment in which you and other Israelites live, such as a purely white community. And this is not likely to happen in a purely white community. Because most white people are peaceable and don't jump to conclusions about, well, the person attacking me is some kind of infidel who deserves a a punch in the face. And most white people don't go around slapping each other in the face. It will start with a verbal altercation, like an accusation or an insult, And it usually doesn't escalate among white people, except if they're drunk. It hardly ever escalates. And there's usually other white people around to make sure it doesn't escalate. But if you're at a bar, (laughs) right, 
and you're you get into a brawl at the bar, forget it. There's not there's not going to be any peaceful solution to a brawl in a bar, right? So you probably should stay out of bars, or just go to bars where your friends, where your friends partake of some liquid refreshment. That what is that? That uh, and certainly not hard liquor, right? Because that things get out of hand with hard liquor real quick. But over a glass of wine and a beer or two, and not letting it go any further than that, you don't talk about your resentments with each other, right? Those have to be done under different under different circumstances. Swamp Fox says the other races are just jealous, envious, or resentful of the good fortune or achievements of another, but instead of owning up, they want to deflect to white privilege and play victim. So we should own up. Yep, we are better at doing things than you, and we just can't help it. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Prove me wrong. Why don't you do something? Why don't you build a city? Have black people ever built a city without the white man's help? Have Jews ever built a city without white men building it first and them stealing it from us? Oh, yes, and Swamp Fox, this is the best one of all. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. That was That's what you can expect if you have an interracial altercation. That's why we should not even be teaching them the gospel, because it does not apply to them. It only applies to us, the covenant people, Christian Israel. If only... The duped whites of the other churches would understand. This is really, uh, thanks for bringing that up. I should have brought that up earlier. Because that is the ultimate kick in the head, (laughs) so to speak, for Judeo-Christians. Cast ye not pearls before swine, lest they turn again and rend you. That's jealousy on their part. They cannot comprehend ideas that were created by Yahweh just for us. They cannot comprehend these ideas. You will never get black people behaving this way with each other. Look at O.J. Simpson. How much did he love his wife, his white wife? He went into a fit of jealous rage it not only stabbed the person he suspected of being with her, whether they were or not, I don't even know, but he stabbed them both to death. That's what you can expect from the other races. Would Muslims, in their jihad mentality, yeah, they might be nice to each other to avoid getting uh, thrown in jail, but today they don't even get prosecuted. They commit all kinds of crimes against white Christians or white people in general, and the system does not prosecute them, especially in Britain. It hasn't gotten that bad yet in America, but it sure will if we don't stand up for our rights. You don't turn your cheek against the other races, period. You stand up for your rights. 
They take it, the Jews take advantage of the Constitution by taking the, what was the, the Fifth Amendment, where you don't have to incriminate yourself. But then they accuse us of all the things they do wrong, so it's obvious the Jews have no intention of abiding by Scripture or by the Constitution. Give not your wisdom to Jews, lest they trample you underfoot and report you to the ADL, right? Which is the true law in this country. The Constitution no longer applies. So, maybe throw some marbles <laughs> at their feet so that they slip and fall. Right, Whatever you have to do against the other races, if they attack you, you're utterly justified. That's why Yahshua told his two disciples to sell their cloaks and carry a sword because you might be in real enemy territory, not in the company of Israelites who would be peaceable with you. White society is the only peaceful society, except for maybe the Japanese, because they have carried politeness to an extreme, but... There's also a lot of hypocrisy there. <laughs> There's a lot of hypocrisy behind closed doors in Japanese. <laughs> Mr. Kim Smith says, cast lead before them. There you go. Yeah, a handful of bullets. <laughs> Slip on these. And if you, if you survive that, I, I may just have to pull the trigger, Right. Yes, Nibblehorse, Manhattan Island was bought for a handful of marbles, right? Although they were strung together in pearls, right? Whatever they value, they have different values from us, folks. Completely different values. Because they don't have the DNA that Yahweh gave the Aryan people, especially Israel. They have, we have a totally different spirit from them, and only we were given at Pentecost that new sense of morality, which was actually lacking in the old people of Judah and Israel because they were pounding on each other pretty bad most of the time. All right? So we have this new sense of morality, this new sense of conscience that was given to us at Pentecost 2,000 years ago and we need to exemplify that in our daily lives. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the admonition. Be good, Israel. <laughs> Turn the other cheek when you're accosted by a fellow Israelite. The law does not apply to the non-Israelites. Thanks for listening. Take care. Yahweh bless everybody. Yeah, have some wampum, <laughs> Andy. That might convince them. All right, here. Uh, if I give you 10 bucks, will you stop pounding on me? Well, th then they only know you got money and they'll pound on you even worse. Be prepared to defend yourself. Hail Yashua. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care.